You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and today we have quite a different uh, episode coming about for you guys, um, and it's different because we have a very different type of guest that we, we've usually had on the show, uh, the infamous dog trainer of Broadway, uh, Bill Berloni, or William Berloni, is going to be joining Take a Bow this week. And he is, um, like I said, the infamous dog trainer of Broadway. And uh, he started by training this dog for Annie in a local theater production. And then the rest is is history. So uh, it's a very exciting episode for me. I've worked with him on both Finding Neverland and uh, A Christmas Story. Um, so <laughs> we have, we have some memories and, uh, we, what he was saying was just really cool for not only like people in the industry who like, I don't know, who want to like learn different fields, but also at the same time, like people who love dogs and just to see how, what his thoughts are on animals and how he trains and everything like that. And then just his geeking out of Broadway and the people that he's worked with and uh, he, and then he says some pretty uh, inspiring things. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. It's very different and it's very fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully you all enjoy it. So um, with that being said, let's turn it over to the news before we turn it over to the interview. Um, we have some exciting things to announce. So Passover is going to be the first Broadway show to officially like open on Broadway that is like brand new. So like not pre-pandemic to where it's now opening post-pandemic or anything. Like it's the first one like being announced that this is actually like a brand new show that's coming and it's going to be opening August 4th on Broadway. And I don't know if any of you all have seen uh Passover before it was it was premiered at the Lincoln Center, um, and then there have been several productions since then. And one of the most famous productions was at Steppenwolf in Chicago, and Spike Lee was affiliated with it, and he actually funded it so that it would be recorded and filmed. Um, and now it, you can watch it on Prime Video. 
and in that performance, I I've watched it. I had I was doing it for school, and then I rewatched it when I saw that this was announced that it was going to be open on Broadway because I loved it so much. The story is incredible. Um, it's about two black men, and they're kind of they're homeless, really. Um, and they live on the streets of Chicago, and just to see the racial stories that it tells because it's only like two black guys and then you're the rest of the company which is not very big is like white and it plays on a lot of racial scenarios and how the two of them live as homeless people and all of these things and how like a brotherhood is formed and all these amazing stories and idioms that uh that come out of this production is, is just so brilliantly done uh so even if if you don't want to wait till august 4th which i encourage you not to because that's over a year and you're gonna forget me talking about this in over a year so please go check that out on amazon prime because i promise you you will not regret it and hopefully it'll even make you more excited to go see it on broadway with the original cast who premiered the show at Lincoln Center. So very exciting for me, at least, and and I'm sure for the cast as well. Um, But yes, Passover, it's amazing. It's on Amazon Prime right now, so go check it out. And then it's going to be coming to Broadway next year, August 4th of 2022. That's so weird to say. I'm so sorry. Uh, 2022, I don't even... It's too far away. Um, Okay, and then another exciting announcement i guess as far as shows are concerned our very own guest salisha thomas and bpn fam and trevor the musical fam all of the things her she was in a musical i don't know if you all remember her episode but she was in a musical uh before the pandemic and it was shut down during rehearsal and that musical was once upon a one more time the Britney Spears musical. And they have set their pre-Broadway world premiere in Washington, D.C. to be in November of 2021. So she's, couldn't be more excited. I, I, I want to get her on and just to see and talk to, again, to talk to her about how this is all reopening, how this is working, uh, being in D.C., like the traveling, how is that working? Are they going to do local hires so that, you know, the virus doesn't spread? Are they wanting to keep the travel to a minimum? How how does this all want to work out? So um, it's going to be very interesting. She's couldn't be more excited. It's a step in the right direction for the show. It's a step in the right direction for Broadway as ter- in terms of reopening and everything. Um, and hopefully that... And that show is going to be uh, be seen on Broadway eventually, um, but they're doing their little world premiere at Washington D.C., which is which is popular. So, um, which is very uh, common to do for new shows. And uh, I know we, I know I've talked a lot about like jukebox musicals on this show, but like I don't know, Britney Spears. She gets a pass. I like Britney Spears. It's going to be a fun one. I don't think it's going to be about her life. It literally, it, it's more like her music. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do with it and how they, uh, it seems like it'll be an original story with her music. Uh, so I don't know. I'll be interested to see how it works. And uh, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. And um, just hear that it's going to be having its world premiere is very exciting. So on previous episodes of Take a Bow, I've mentioned that, uh, 
you know, Dear Evan Hansen and a, a couple shows, you know, they they haven't announced who their real stars are coming back, like who their cast is coming back. Everyone, everything's still up in the air. We know that a majority of the people will be returning, but we also know that like, you know, things happen and some people may not be able to, um, you know, step back in right away. Uh, but it was announced uh, recently that Jordan Fisher is going to be rejoining Jervin Hansen. So for everyone who uh, didn't get a chance to see Jordan Fisher and Jervin Hansen and they really wanted to, well, you still have a chance. They announced it with a great performance on Good Morning America. And I am so excited that he's saying you will be found with some of the cast. And it was just so good. And uh, I- I'm so excited because I missed Jordan Fisher being Evan Hansen on Broadway, and I really, really wanted to see him. So now that I get the chance to, I I could not be more excited. And before we wrap up this week's news, I would be remiss not to mention uh, there was a there was a lovely new film created by Casey Likes, and uh, it's called Thespians. And some of Take a Bow's very own uh, guests were able to. Join forces to create this movie with Casey Likes, who wrote and directed it. Um, and the short film stars our very own Sydney Lucas, okay? And it also stars our, our, our guests, some of our guests, Andrew Barth Feldman and Annalise Scarpacci. And this film is literally incredible. It's so funny. Um, it's like before we return to theater, see what happened when we lost it, you know, like what people did without theater and like how they did it on Zoom boxes. And this is literally done on Zoom boxes, this film. It's incredible. And it, it, the whole short film stars Sydney Lucas, Samantha Williams, Andrew Barth Feldman, Annalise Garpacci, Antonio Cipriani, uh, Caitlin Santa Juana, Sam Primack, Gabriella Caruba, Casey Likes, and Tony nominee Rob McClure. So go check it out. Um, the whole scenario is like hilarious. Just the fact that, you know, you have all of these young Broadway stars who are like pretty much like, you know, young adults, you know, they're, they're in their teenage to early 20 years still, um, you know, and all of a sudden you have Rob McClure showing up on your screen. Um, it, it's just, it's, brilliant it's well really well done especially like the fact that they did it on zoom and but that also to like capture that real uh coronavirus pandemic vibe of the whole movie it's just so it's just really well done casey likes created it go check it out you can watch it on youtube just go search in thespians and uh if that doesn't come up maybe you type in a couple of the names that i just mentioned casey likes andrew barth feldman annalise garpacci antonio cipriani sydney lucas gabriella caruba or whoever you may whoever you may need to uh to search up there to to get the video it's it's really well done i highly recommend watching it especially if you want to laugh it's not too long either so uh it it's great um go check it out thespians so that wraps up this week's news uh segment but let's turn it over to the drama dictionary word of the week this week we're going to be talking about strike so we talk a little bit about this in like bill berloni's episode where uh you know touring can be I, I asked him if touring could be hard especially with you know the different animals especially because 
you know, they go to a new state and they have new smells and everything like that. And they're not used to everything and there's traveling and everything like that. But in order for a tour to run smoothly, there's something called a strike at the end of every city that uh, the tour goes through. And on Broadway, a strike only happens once. So what strike is, is it's literally the teardown of um, the, the final night of the performances, you know, a lot of people will understand this for those who have lived in apartments or especially like in New York or something like that. You know, you go from this fully furnished apartment and then you have to move everything out and you have to take the couch out. You got to take down the TV. You got to take down the beds. You got to take down all of the things, the clothes, everything has to be, has to go. And you literally have to return the theater as good as new, nothing left behind. You have to return all your rented materials, everything like that. You literally just tear down the set, you tear down the stage, you tear down your, um, what you have in the, the ceiling, what you have hanging, the curtains, all of the things. Uh, and, uh, you basically just leave it super empty. It's super nostalgic and it's super, um, bizarre just to see an empty theater when you go through a strike you got to clean out your dressing room you got to clean out it all um and uh but they call that a strike so it's not like a protest or anything like that it's literally like they call it like striking away the the pieces um and it's just like the tear down of it all and you you um you know you put everything back to where it belongs, which is not in the theater. <laughs> um, so that wraps up this week's drama dictionary. It's called Strike. And uh, you know what? I've done enough talking. Bill Berloni is going to talk to us now. And uh, he has some fabulous things to say. So without further ado, Bill Berloni, curtain up. On this week's episode, we have a guest who is going to bring a brand new side of the industry that people rarely even think about. Animal trainers are people in the industry who don't get enough credit, but we are going to because we're going to shine a light on it today. And our guest has been a part of over 20 Broadway productions and over like 200 productions uh of musical theater uh from theater from tv movies all of the things um everyone welcome to take a bow bill berloni thank you so much coming for coming on this week i'm so excited to be able to talk to you no it's great to be here eli um so let's let's get into it i mean your story is so fascinating um let's talk about kind of your farm first because that's kind of how this all fell into place, right? So talk to me about the farm. Talk to me about how you started working with all kinds of different animals and training them and how you got into it. Well, currently, uh, my wife and I live on a 90-acre farm here in central Connecticut, which serves more as a sanctuary for the animals we've adopted. (laughs) Um, In terms of, uh, you know, when we adopt an animal to use in a performance, whether or not it works the rest of its life, we give it a forever home. So, um, and we need a place where they can have a good life where they could run and have freedom and bark without having to worry about being um, evicted. So um, we call it, we call it the farm that Sandy built, you know, so it's a, it's this wonderful 
place uh, where our theatrical animals live. But to to go back to the beginning, um, you know, I was a uh, I grew up here in Central Connecticut. I wanted to be an actor, and uh, I had enrolled in I had auditioned for Yale and NYU and Webster and all those colleges, but couldn't afford to go. Um, so what we did was I decided to go to a local college for two years and then transfer, you know, do all my core courses and then transfer to some acting school to do the, the acting part of it. So instead of wasting my summers after high school, just having fun with my friends, I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about professional theater. Now I had done high school productions. I'd done, you know, um, community theater productions, but I really wanted to be around professionals. And here in central Connecticut is one of the most famous theaters in the world, the Goodspeed Opera House. Goodspeed musicals where yeah, yeah. theater is dedicated to the American musical and um, shows like um, Man of the Mancha and Shenandoah and, you know, had started there. And so I applied as a technical apprentice having no technical skills and was accepted. So my first summer uh, out of high school, the summer of 1975, I was in this wonderful professional world of New York actors and designers and uh, pretty much living my dream, you know, learning as much as I could. I was so good, I guess, that they invited me back the second season, summer of 1976. Oh my God. And um, they, back then they would do two revivals and introduce one new show. And the show that they decided to do that summer um, had a dog in it after they, after it was announced and they had a production <laughs> meeting with like, okay, who's going to train the dog? And they said, well, we'll call some trainers in New York. And they found out the trainers were very expensive. Mm -hmm. So then they went to the paid staff members, the carpenters, the lighting people. And they said, someone's got to train the dog. And they all threatened to quit. So basically the producer needed a sucker, someone he could talk into doing the dog thing for the new show. Now, oh my God. I, had, I had never been in the producer's office. Uh, I'm sure he knew me. And then one day I was invited and uh, he sat me down and... His name is Michael Price. Michael Price was the executive producer for many, many years and uh, sat me down in his chair and said, Billy, you know, we love you here. And how would you like a part in one of the shows and your equity card? Oh now, my God. I'm all of 19 years old. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, he's brilliant to recognize my acting skills just from watching me. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, sure, yeah, that'd be great. And he said, all you have to do is find and train the new dog for us for no money. I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and it took like a week for me to realize the deal I had struck. And right. <laughs> summer of 1976, and he goes, okay, so here's $35 to buy the dog and feed it for the summer. That was my budget. Oh, my God. Um, so the show in particular was the original production of Annie. Wow. So the script called for a medium sized dog of indistinguishable breed that those were Tom Meehan's words. And someone said to me, there were cheap dogs at the animal shelter. Now I'm an only child. I grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. Animals were my companions. They were not my pets. I had never been to a shelter. And when my first dog died, my mom took me to the pet shop and we bought a beagle. So, um, <laughs> One fateful day in May of 1976, I went casting for the dog that was going to play Sandy. And I had a list of the animal shelters. And as I was going to these animal shelters, I was very depressed. I had never knew that animals were un were cared for like that in dirty cages. And yeah. 
you know, yeah. messy. And uh, I ended up at the Connecticut Humane Society where there was one little abused dog who looked like Sandy. But when I tried to explain to the people there that I, was, I needed to take a picture and have him approved, they said, well, uh, he's going to be put to sleep. And believe it or not, at 19 years old, I didn't know what that meant. And when they said oh. that his time was up and he was going to be put to sleep the next morning, it was a it was a profound moment in my life to know that we killed animals arbitrarily, that they had expiration dates and that nobody cared. So of course I went back to the opera house that night and I couldn't find Martin Charnin, the director or Michael Price, the producer to okay this dog. And I didn't even have the money to adopt him. He was, it was $7 mm-hmm. and I had $3 in my pocket. So my roommate later that night said, idiot, here's the four bucks, go back tomorrow morning before they open and get the dog, which is what I did. And so wow. that's how I acquired the original wow. Sandy. And he was abused and, you know, but again, I thought if I could figure out a way, like my dog would follow me anywhere without a leash. Mm-hmm. So if I could figure out a way for Sandy to be part of the crew and live with us and be backstage, he might not be as frightened and come to like it, which is what my training methodology was, which was no, no real method yeah. at all, but it worked. And so, um, you know, Fortunately, my first actors were kids and kids love playing with dogs. So by the time we got to, you know, act one, scene two, the tomorrow scene, Sandy would see uh, the original Annie, Kristen Weigart out there wagging his tail, wanted to go out there and get a cookie. I mean, Aww. so it was, it just, it just worked. And um, the show got terrible reviews. Um, Michael Price gave me the dog and I tried to give it to my mother. And she was like, I'm, I have your old dog. You take Sandy. Oh so Sandy and I moved to... Greenwich Village, five floor walk up with two roommates. And I started studying with Stella Adler at the at NYU in their acting conservatory. Wow. Stella Adler when she was alive. Um, yes. And oh eight months later, they called and said they were doing Annie for Broadway and wanted to know if I'd be interested in, in, in being a part of it. And at that point, not only was I, I needed the money, but um, I mean, Mike Nichols was brought in as a producer. And I thought, well, any way to you know, make some money and do a Broadway show. Why not? And we didn't know what we had, you know? And uh, so when we, when the show opened at the Neil Simon theater on April 21st of 1977, this phenomenon happened. And at the age of 20, I became a world famous animal. Yes. So, you know, and I, the day I got Sandy, I made a promise to myself that if I, when I grew up, if I ever got another dog, I would rescue it. Mm. So, Soon after, we needed an understudy, and then there were national tours. And so the idea of rescuing dogs and turning them into stars was quite unique. Yeah. Um, And uh, I still was studying with Stella, and I was taking dance lessons and singing lessons. But by the time I was offered my third Broadway show, I realized that not only had had I created a niche that never had an animal played a character in a play, They've been walked on. They've been carried on. Right. But Sandy furthers the plot. And nobody thought an animal would be capable of that. Um, I realized I was much more talented as an animal trainer than I was as an actor. And just made that my life. And it's been incredible. Um, You know, and there's I do believe there's a certain amount of karma when you rescue animals and that it comes back to you. Absolutely. Um, Because we have this beautiful farm and I've been to the white house six times and i've written three books and i did a reality show i mean so many blessings of 
of being an artist, not just in the traditional way, but in so many other creative ways that have been come from this profession of working with animals. I love everything that you just said, and I have so many questions. Um, all of this is so fascinating. You talked about like you were doing casting for a dog. Like, how does that work? Um, well, often, oftentimes, as we know, the director has final say right. on everything within their project. So, um, you know, just like casting kids, it, you know, you want a kid that looks this way and not that way. So I just had to make sure that the look was what they wanted, number one. Mm -hmm. um, and what I learned later, too, is that some dogs don't always like performing. So, you know, we also look for the right temperament. Right. You know? Again, just like, with, just like with actors, you may see somebody walking down the street who's a stockbroker and say, you, I'm going to put you in a movie. And they may like, but I'm too shy and I can't do that. I don't want to do that. You know, so you have to have the looks and the talent. And uh, ultimately the director decides the looks and I decide the talent, you know, who's, who can do it. So do you like go out and like scout and like meet them basically and see like if, how they respond? Yes. Um, you know, for the theater work, again, it was unprecedented and it takes so long to get a, a dog ready for the theater sure. that we will adopt them and spend a year training them before we ever show up to rehearsal. But for example, this is my morning, you know, I'm sending um, pictures of um, dogs to the new Amy Schumer uh, oh, TV series so they could pick whether they want a Pomeranian or a poodle. I mean, who cares? Right. But you know what I'm saying? But uh, it's a little dog that has to be put in a microwave. Oh, Does it really matter what it looked like? Um, you know, or we're trying to find a peacock, but, oh um, God. so I do that on film. You do like peacocks too? I will do, um, I will do domesticated animals, animals that have been bred to interact with man. I will not do wild okay. animals, um, because con con controlling a wild animal is, um, ultimately cruel the way you have to do it. And I just, we just never went down that road. Sure, sure. So, hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So, sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What animals do you have at the farm? I know you have like a bunch. Like <laughs> you have like chickens, you have dogs, you have everything. Like to, what other ones do you have? Well, we have 25 uh -huh. dogs, um, three cats. Uh, we have uh, two geese. <laughs> that were in the Broadway production of The Ferryman. Yes. Um, in addition to the little bunny who was in The Ferryman. Um, gamefully retired. Wow. Uh, but we have a horse, a donkey, two pigs, 
and a McCall. Wow. And so just like at any time, even if you don't have the animals, you end up fostering them basically and just like keeping them until, you know, they you get the next call that they may need to be used. <laughs> Again, all of the dogs and all the animals here are animals that we've acquired to be in theatrical events, you know, where you really have to put all that training yeah. in. Um, but for the film work, you know, if, if Mike Pomeranian doesn't get cast, I represent other trainers, other people who have highly trained dogs. Okay. So, you know, then I, they do the dog training. We meet on set. I handle the onset stuff. So that way I could, I have a, a catalog of all different types of breeds and species, but we don't have to own them all. Sure. So I have to like, this is kind of like off topic, but like, have you ever considered doing like Westminster dog shows? Um, you know, the, again, I've been an adoption advocate for all my mm -hmm. life, basically. And I'm also the director of animal behavior for the Humane Society of New York. Yes. In New York city. Something that I've been, I can do in my spare time to help them out, you know, and, and I, I promote responsible pet ownership. And so if someone wants a purebred dog, I want you to go to a reputable breeder, mm. you know, and not to a puppy mill. So right. the animals that have been represented in Westminster are obviously well cared for and all that good stuff. Um, but because we don't breed, there there's no need for our animals to acquire those titles or be part of that. So I've never, I think I've gone and spoken at Westminster a couple times, but um, that's like a Miss America pageant. <laughs> and, you know, oh um, none of us are ready for that. Right. So tell me, so you had Sandy, right, for the original production, and then it was moved to Broadway. Was she the same dog that stayed for the Broadway company or did you like move them out on tour? Like how, how does it work? Um, the original Sandy from Goodspeed uh, was the only actor to do the entire run of the show, all 2,333 performances of Annie. Oh, so he did the entire eight week, eight year run. He went through the five Annie's. Um, and, but, and then again, we had adopted other dogs to do national tours, the national okay. tours at that time. And, you know, um, since then shows like Annie, the wizard of Oz legally blonde, you know, once they've mm -hmm. ended their Broadway and touring run, go into stock rights. And so regional theaters will do them. So that's why we have three Sandy dogs and four Totos and two bruisers and, um, cause they'll continue to work in other productions. And so that's sort of our, um, what we do with them currently but the original sandy yeah was a a record breaker for sure oh my god i can't believe it the only person the only actor to do the show the full run that's incredible do they do dogs like ever miss performances um they can uh-huh um i i liken it to training somebody for the olympics you know if you're if your goal is the height of your profession, you do everything you possibly can to stay healthy, mm -hmm. to be fit so that you don't, don't take risks, you know, so you don't end up missing a show because of some accident or some illness. And again, a dog who is, who's happy to go to the theater and go on stage for his cookies. Right. <laughs> um, it's pretty easy to keep safe from any extraneous disaster, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So unless they break a limb or they have cancer or something, mm-hmm. they love going to the theater. In fact, when they when their careers are over, it's it's pretty de- devastating for them. They miss all that attention. So um, the, I don't think Sandy Sandy never missed her performance because he was ill, mm-hmm. ever. Um, and, and most dogs don't because our job wow. again is to keep them as fit as possible. That's insane. What is it like to tour with animals? Like how, like, does it affect them? Like going to a new theater every week and see, smelling new smells and like, what, like what would be the most challenging aspect of touring? Um, the, they actually love touring because you have one trainer and two dogs, uh-huh. the main dog and the backup you know, who are together 24 seven. Yeah. They travel by van. You know, we have a customized van that they travel in. Um, and because again, they're rescued, they're very thankful for any life they get. But in particular, you may go to a new theater, but the set is exactly the same. The people are exactly the same, the, you know, mm. um, and so they're, they're in a, a box that's pretty much familiar. Um, the hardest part of, of traveling actually is the extremities in weather, you know, playing Palm Springs, you know, where it's 105 degrees out, you know, people in audience and cast can stay indoors and, you know, but dogs have to go out three or four times a day in that heat. Or um, we were in Minneapolis doing Annie for Christmas and it was 20 below, you know, and the dogs still have to go outside to eliminate. So the, sometimes the, you know, if, Again, the, the the weather is the hardest thing. You know, if if the dogs leave here, if it's December and they you know and they have their full coat, mm-hmm. and we go to LA where it's you know warm, right. it throws off their sort of system because they start shedding. They don't know whether it's summer or winter, that sort of stuff. But it doesn't affect their performance. Again, we make sure they're rested, they play, they have a good time, and they love it. It's incredible. So let's talk about let's talk about Bill. Okay, enough about dogs. Well, I mean, we can still talk about dogs, but like, let's talk about you. Um, first of all, mm-hmm. do you have like a favorite animal to train? Um, I I think my spirit animal is a wolf. So Stop definitely, it. I yeah, I I I connect with canines, you know, because they are part of the lupine. Genesis. So dogs are the my favorite thing to train. Wait, wait, wait. So. You've trained wolves? No, no. My spirit animal is a wolf. Oh, okay. So Got I it. do believe that somewhere in my past I might have been a wolf. So Oh my god. I'm obsessed. That's amazing. Yes, dogs are the best. And that's how Bill and I know each other. I know I haven't announced that yet. Bill and I did a Christmas story together, and then we also did the Finding Neverland tour together. Um, so we kind of got we were able to reconnect there and um, start uh, the journey of the tour there. Um, that was a, a journey in itself. Um, <laughs> what is how how long? So obviously you have your whole system right of training animals, and you have you know you have this, I guess agenda like the, this schedule and the system that you've put into place how long does it usually take for you to like train in a person to do this stuff for the dog um it sometimes it takes years yeah um when i look for trainers uh the ad looks something like um you know 
no dog training experience must love dogs, you know, because the methodology we use is completely different than, you know, what people think is dog training about negative reinforcement and forcing animals to fall into line. Mm -hmm. So if you have a trainer who's learned that, and then I have to try to unteach them that, right? it's hard. But if you find someone who knows the theater and loves animals as much as I do, their, their main, they wake up every day wanting to go, I want to protect my dog. I want to do what's right. You know, those are the people that we find. And, and then introducing them to the many facets of what the dangers may be in, in an entertainment venue, sure. uh, getting them up to that. And because uh, the dog training and the bonding is easy, okay. but it's teaching them how to be that advocate, how to be that person who will stand out, um, come out during the middle of a tech rehearsal in <laughs> Buffalo, New York, and say, uh, Diane Paulus, we are not doing that with the dog. Right. <laughs> it takes a lot of self-confidence to be able to do that, to be an advocate for your animal. Right. Um, and sometimes put your career on the line for what you believe in. So that's the harder part. So like we'll get people will come and they'll do a high school production and then they'll do, you know, a community theater production. And so if, if they continue to like it, then we can move them up to Broadway and tours and that sort of stuff. But wow. Yeah. It takes a while. You got, you guys have like a whole village. I'm telling you, you guys have so many like animals, people's everything to take care of. It's insane. I, I applaud everything that you guys are doing. It's incredible. Um, okay. I have to ask, um, you, you made your Broadway debut in Annie, and then you've done literally uh, many other shows since then, but a lot of them have this trend where, you, you know, you're working with both animals and kids. So there's this renowned quote of, oh no, don't work with kids and animals, but you've done that like literally almost all of your productions so like what do you think of what are your thoughts on that and like how are you um not like not that you're like training the actors or anything but you're kind of making them feel more comfortable with the fact that there is a dog with them while they perform actually you are incorrect we do train the act we do train the actors right okay um, that's true <laughs> part of methodology is again if it's if it's positive reinforcement um if, if there's an actor who doesn't like dogs mm -hmm. or doesn't speak dog, why would my dog want to go hang out with that person on stage? Right. You know, so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've said to a casting director, make sure you hire someone who has had dogs mm. for the role of Barry, for the role of Elle Woods, for the role of Annie, because I can't teach that love, that innate, comfortable place, you know, in eight weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. So right. we have to take actors and turn them into trainers. You know, they have to be as good at what we, what we do. They have to be, do what we do because the dog has to respect them and like them. And they have to be mm -hmm. able to think on their feet in a live performance. Um, and so I, I credit my success to the fact that the first actor I ever trained was a child because I didn't know mm -hmm. what to do. And what happened was Sandy and Annie went out in the back and played ball and then they hung out together and they, you know, they became friends. Um, sure. And, you know, 
trying to get an adult in an eight week process, you know, who's going to open on Broadway to get down on their hands and knees and play with an animal in order to facilitate the production is impossible. But you say that to any child actor and they're like, let's go, you know? Um, so for me, <laughs> yeah. easier to work with. Um, and it's, it's sort of like that song in um, finding Neverland, getting adults to play again, you know, because animals live in the moment uh -huh. and they just want to have fun. And so, getting an actor to do that with an animal uh, keeps them sort of in the moment and not just saying their lines and waiting for a response. Because the other thing about that I say that's hard for actors is um, there you see an actor say to, to a dog, what are you doing, Sandy? And then you see the dog react. Well, it's like a ventriloquist because the actor is actually controlling the response. The actor is giving mm -hmm. a cue that makes the dog respond, but the audience is unaware of that. So an actor has to be so in tune with an animal that they're acting their role and making the animal do their role as well. So it's a, it, it's a quite a juggling act to be done um, well, and kids do it so much better than adults. Wow, that means so much you don't even know. <laughs> That's a good thing to hear. Um, so it says on your, you have this wonderful website where it shows literally your hundreds and hundreds of productions. And it, it says that you did the, um, you were working on The Greatest Showman. What, what were you doing with The Greatest Showman, first of all? And like, what are is like the big difference of having an animal on in theater and then on set? Um, it's it it's got its pros and cons. First off, when they called, my first question was, "Are you using real lions and tigers?" And they said, "No, uh. we're CGIing all the circus animals." I went, "Okay, then I'm in." And basically, we provided the dog uh, that played the uh, Queen of England's dog. Uh, okay. Uh, and it had to be a very specific King Charles Spaniel with the, it had to replicate the dog. So we had to, that she had historically. So we had to find a dog that looked like that and train it just to sit there and let Tom Thumb come up and, you know, bark at it or whatever. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, it was a small thing. It was shot here in, um, in, in New York, but in theater, what, because I'm a theater person, we get in a room and we collaborate as artists, the director, the mm -hmm. scenic people, the choreographer, we're all there together, working together in film. It's very departmentalized and you show up the day of, right. there's no rehearsal. You sort of block it out and you shoot it and animals don't think that quickly. So what happens is if you want, watch a lot of shoots, the, you'll see an animal looking off camera at where the trainer is because it has no relationship right. with the actor in which it's working with unless you do a cutaway. So I find that very distracting. I mean, when I watch films, it's like, oh, the trainer's over there, I could tell. Whereas on stage, the dog is interacting with the actors in a way that is real. So wow. film is quicker, more lucrative, but less satisfying for me and harder on the animals. Whereas okay. theater, it's repetitive behaviors that they look forward to doing every day with their friends. Do you think like do you like the whole eight shows a week? Do you think that like is is you know the animals? I don't know like what I'm trying to say, but like I don't is I would assume like 
doing it as a person it can be difficult like i don't i couldn't imagine doing the same thing as an animal like being in a theater and like getting the same treats and doing it all like eight times a week i i feel like i would just get like bored of it but like somehow you always keep them invested exactly it's a part again there's a certain there's a certain boredom effect um to doing repetitive behaviors but animals don't have cognitive thought process mm -hmm. so you know, they just come in looking for something that feels good every day. Want to come in and feel good. So they don't, they don't <laughs> know they're going to do it for eight years. They don't know whatever. And, and, you know, our job is to rest them. You know, if they were running around all day and then came to the theater exhausted, it would be, you know, hard on them, but we keep them quiet, give them a couple walks so that when they come to the theater, it's the best part of their day, you know? Um, so the, Every once in a while, do we have to change a treat? Yes. Do we have to ch put a little more energy in it? Yes. But again, they they thrive on the fact that it's they don't have to think because nothing changes. You know, right. it's the same people, same set, the same words, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's just like you have a pet at home who knows what you know when you're driving in the driveway, you're coming in, or when you open the refrigerator, you know they know it's feeding time. So it's repetitive behavior. Yeah. That are very easy for them to do versus film, which are, you've got two minutes to teach this dog how to do this trick, you know, in front of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, like the greatest showman. I mean, there were a hundred extras on, on that set, you know, and camera booms right. and light, and that sort of stuff. You don't have time to prep for that, you know, so it's, it's a little more stressful no. on sets than it is in theater. Wow. I, I would never even think about that, but it's true. Like even as an actor is like a human, like, you know, you, you, I've done projects where I don't even know like the people in the movie, like, well, how does that work? Like I worked with them technically, like we were in the same production, but I don't even know you. Like, it's just yeah. so weird. Just the difference between film and tell and, and theater, of course. Um, but so you recently were doing like, Girls Five Ever, the the movie that is coming out soon with Sarah Bareilles and Renee Elise Goldsberry and Ashley Park, and like, I don't know. And then like, of course, you did like Greatest Showman and everything. Like, do you love kind of that film where it's like combining your love of theater with like film at the same time? I I don't really look at them that way necessarily. Okay. What what my what dog training has brought to me is the opportunity to meet and work with some of the most genius oh my artists God. in the world, you know? So I look at every project, you know, not from a point of what, what's the end result, but who are we working with? What is the story we're trying to tell? And sure. um, it was so interesting that uh, like for girls five Eva, uh, the new um, Sarah Bareilles film, um, I had just worked with Sarah season before, uh, before COVID on little voice. Uh, we had a dog on her series oh. and I saw her many times a week and she's a lovely person. I mean, in real life and she loves mm -hmm. dogs. I mean, so, oh my God, you know, and then you put that talent on top of it. So I had that connection, but a couple months before I had gotten a call, Tina Fey was looking for a dog and someone gave her my name and. One day my phone rings and she goes, hi, this is Tina Fey, you know, <laughs> um, Stop so -and -so it. Gave me your number. we're looking for a dog to adopt. I'm like, no problem. So I, I got to know Tina and her husband 
by helping them find a dog. And then three months later, they said, oh, by the way, we need a bird for the first episode. You know, oh. um, and and you've been on set, you know, you know how there's a hierarchy of everybody has their own departments and nobody talks. So animal trainers are not well respected. And um, we came in, we brought this, we had this large macaw and my wife and I were sitting there and um, everybody was like, AD was like, ever quiet on the set, quiet on the set. And Tina sees me and she stops everything and comes over to say hello and hug us and all that sort of stuff. And I could see everybody in the studio wow. going, who is that? Right. Why is she talking to that person? You know, so um, again, her and her husband are brilliant writers and mm -hmm. composers and all this stuff. So uh, that's what excites me, working with, you know, Julia Roberts coming to my trailer oh, on a film God. and knocking on my door and going, hi, I'm going to work with the dog. Can I say hello? That to me is a professional. That to me, people who have animals have a soul and a heart. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, but she recognized that if she was going to look good, she needed to come say hello to the dogs because she has dogs. So, I mean, that's that's more what excites me about working on a lot of these projects are the getting to know people who are geniuses, but also nice human beings. Yeah. Well, you're being very humble right now because you also like did this photo shoot with Beyonce who you had to get her to hold a snake. Like what? I couldn't imagine. Like you have worked with some of the coolest people ever. Did you ever think that like when, you know, that day you said like, <laughs> now I realized the deal I struck when you were doing the Annie at Godspeed. Did you ever think it would turn into this? Never, but I, I'm grateful grateful every day it's incredible grateful. and so now like you said you've done this reality tv show on the discovery channel in 2015 which you're probably most known for it's called from where oh my gosh from oh. wags to riches wow that's a tongue twister um but like how cool is it to like have your own like reality show and kind of be on set but like able to just have like a normal day and like kind of be you you know it was far from that. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, you couldn't but tell. the opportunity, uh, again, Discovery created a new channel uh, for the uh, family-oriented. And we were one of the first shows that they greenlit because they felt we were good role models for rescue and all that sort of stuff. We had this interesting life. And um, so it was a way for us to get our message across. That's what I was most excited mm -hmm. about. Um, and... I don't know. I reality shows are so fake, and so if anybody's ever watched it, the very first shot of me on my reality show is coming out of the bedroom in my pajamas, half asleep, because I am not a morning uh -oh. person. And my wife and daughter are like, have been up for an hour and a half. That's that's who I am. I'm a I'm a theater person. I'm slow in the morning, and I wanted to show that if I was going to invite you into my home, this is the deal, and it's okay <laughs> to be different and all that stuff. Um, that was, and I finally get a reality show to do that. And halfway through the season, Discovery canceled the channel. They, they canceled, we had, you know, every, they had, they had seven or eight shows in production and they just stopped halfway through. So we only did five episodes, but mm -hmm. it's really interesting to be able to say, if you want to see my house, just watch this reality series. And, you know, when you think of other animal trainers like Lassie, did you ever see where Lassie lived? No. no. Did you ever see where Benji lived? No. Mm -hmm. 
because other animal trainers may not want to show the audience the conditions in which those animals live. Oh, interesting. But we're transparent. If if you've got nothing to hide, then you can be a role model, which is why I was particularly excited that they they said we'd like to come and film you. I'm like, please come film us. So that was a. Uh, that's what I took away from that, the ability to show people how we live. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it, it's so cool, and you can still watch it. They have it on Amazon Prime, and they have it on, like, Apple TV. And like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's it. Um, there's too many nowadays. <laughs> um, and- hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at Chumba Casino. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And now no. you're doing like this current, uh, this this event, I guess, on Playbill that is called Tales from the Stage, which is so cute, like Tales like a dog tale. Um, but like, okay, you understand. <laughs> I don't have to explain it. But yes, I, I love it. It's so cool. Tell us what uh, what that's about and kind of what people can get out of those and when they are. And yeah, just promote that. <laughs> um, well, very much like you, uh, mm-hmm. Playbill wanted to give a an insight uh, into the backstage workings of the theater, the Broadway theater. And, uh, but because their revenue had shrunk from not printing playbills, they had to Mm -hmm. reinvent themselves. And so they created not just a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's a live event that they don't tape. So it's like, Oh, it's a, it's a show. You can, you know, it's a one-off. You can't see it anywhere else. So, you know, the twelve ninety nine you pay for a ticket, you're seeing a real show in that there's never going to be another performance of it ever again. So um, I came in sort of at the tail end of that. And fortunately, theater is reopening. So um, yes. we, may, we may do a, a couple more, but I think people are already excited about getting back and seeing live theater and, and that sort of stuff and moving away from the live podcast it's not a podcast what do you call it a live stream mm. yeah live stream first one i did was about annie the second one i did uh was about legally blonde you know and um we were thinking that i had 23 shows i could do if i if we continued to do it oh if we needed gosh. to you know so um which would give people the insights of a lot of different animals on a lot of different shows but at the moment we're sort of on hold because we're coming back yeah 
That's so cool. But that's also such a fun way for you to continue to, you know, promote like rescue animals and also to tell your story and to tell keep Broadway alive and continue working in some way, you know, like it's so it relive memories like that's the whole that's what's so fun about projects like even this. Um, it's so fun to talk to you and like revisit all of those memories. Um, but it's so cool what you're doing with Tales from the Stage. Go check it out if there is any more. I'm sh- I hope there is because they're a blast. And maybe like, would you ever consider doing like a live show of that? Like maybe at like a 54 below or something? You know, I uh, because I I do. Uh, shows all the time uh-huh. whether they're fundraisers for animal shelters or at libraries or at the drama league or whatever i've been asked to do presentations, so i have some material um but it sometimes it takes me away from actually doing the art sure you know um i i don't necessarily want to be an onstage person i want i still want to create amazing images with animals that move people so um but they've talked to me about it, about possibly doing it, um, at, like you said, at 54 Below or somewhere else. And I, I might entertain it. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Because I, I certainly have the animals and the stories and the the history to go along with it. Oh, my gosh. And now you, you also have, like you mentioned before, you have a few books out there that you've written. You said three. And it, uh, I mean, like, it's it's actually pretty funny because when I Google you, it says you're an American author. You're not a dog trainer. It says, like, Bill Berloni, American author. It's amazing. Um, so talk about your books and what readers can expect to learn from them and kind of hear when they read it. Two of them are out of print. Okay. Um, the first one, uh, when Annie opened on Broadway and the New York Times magazine section did a article about me you know rescuing this dog and how we found it uh the president of simon and schuster called big publishing out and and she oh. said you know is the is um the story i read in the times about you true now remember i'm all of 20 years old I, this is right. all like crazy and i'm well, yeah she goes well we'd like to write a book about you i was like i i'm sorry i don't i'm not really a writer oh we'll find somebody so the first book is called Sandy, the Autobiography of a Star. Mm. Um, and it's uh, written in Sandy's voice about how he was rescued and became a Broadway star. So it was a children's book, you know, um, <laughs> and it did very well. The second was I was asked to write a book called Doga, in which um, this uh, yoga instructor, you know, many of the poses in yoga come from animal forms. And so she wanted to show animals doing yoga. And oh. um, the the funny story was, uh, I, I said to her, dogs don't do yoga. And she was like, but I was like, yeah, they may stretch out and do a downward dog, but they don't do it on command. So we had mm-hmm. to negotiate away because I wouldn't, I didn't want to um, Photoshop the photos and make people believe they were doing it because I didn't want people forcing their dogs to do it. So we, we came up with a very beautiful way to show these animals doing these poses. The book hit was a big success. And literally, I got calls from like Jay Leno. No way. From, um, you know, all the big talk shows saying, will you come on and show us dogs doing yoga? And I kept saying, they don't do yoga. Like, they're not going to do anything. It was, you know, so, um, but I'm very proud of that book again, because it, it does show the beauty of animals 
uh, and how they relax and how they find their strength and relax. Uh, but my third book, which is, which is current is called Broadway tales, mm-hmm. the inside story of animals on Broadway. And it was, you know, my, my career has not been easy. There are no unions representing animal trainers. There are no laws protecting animals. So right. I've been fighting for animal rights for my entire life. And sometimes the, the stories of that are unbelievable. So I decided to tell the backstage stories. Um, and so it was the first version was, uh, my first 18 shows and, um, this, and it started, you know, the story, it's a rescue book. So how I get the show, how I train the animal and how they live happily ever after. Um, but there are some villainous characters on Broadway who I don't name, but I talk mm. about in the book, um, you know, <laughs> and how the obstacles that were put up and how we overcame them. Um, and so it was so popular. It's now in its third edition because, you know, after three or four years, I had another three or four Broadway shows and they said, we're still selling. You want to update the book? And I said, yeah. And so um, the current version came out in 2019 and now it has oh, 27 chapters. Um, and each one, again, the final chapter is our new production of Because of Winn-Dixie, the musical we're writing. Yes. Um, so it's a, it's interesting for not only people like you who want to know how it works backstage and what may happen, but also for animal lovers. Um, one person called me up. My friend said, you didn't tell me it was sad. I said, well, yeah, the animal was abused, but it has a happy ending. She goes, well, I was in, I was on the subway reading that chapter and I started to cry on the subway. Right. Oh my gosh. So, um, so yeah, Broadway tales, uh, current one, uh, last chapter was, uh, um, because when Dixie, the fairy man, we did the fairy man. And so, wow. Incredible. Yeah. So go check that out. It's still out there. Broadway tales. That's so exciting. I want to, I want to read it. I'm interested. I'm going to read it. Um, you know, thank, I can't thank you enough for doing this today. I, so many people speak so highly of you and what you do for animals and what you do for Broadway to tell stories, to complete the shows. Um, we had John Bolton on who you're a good friend of. Um, he had nothing but amazing things to say during the episode, um, to kind of tease your episode coming into today. Um, and just what you've done for, for him, he actually adopted an animal off you. Um, and he, for the Bumpus Hounds and a Christmas story, we, he shared some of those stories. Um, it was a blast. And seriously, like, thank you for everything that you do for animals. I mean, you're a huge advocate, like you've said, and like we've gathered today um, of all animals and treating them right and adopting, adopting and um, so many great things. So thank you for all you do. And thank you for coming on this podcast today. Oh my God. It's my pleasure. And I, and you know, my favorite appearances to do Eli are at mm-hmm. colleges and high schools because really? what I want young people to realize is that I created this whole thing there was nobody yeah. like me before it and so you know for young people who are trying to get into whatever part of entertainment don't try and replicate someone else just be yourself and capitalize on that you know, um, and that's, that's the lesson of my life. You know, um, little did I know I would have this career, but had I just stayed being an actor, had I not 
decided to do more Broadway shows, I don't think I would have had the life that I had. And um, I wouldn't have discovered what my true talent is. So that's my advice to, I'm sure many of your listeners who are thinking about how they look or how they sound. It's like, you don't always have to sound like everybody else in the room. In fact, the person who's Mm -hmm. different usually gets that attention. So thank you for educating people who are interested in theater about how some of us have gotten to where we are. Oh my God, of course. And it's so, one of the big things about this podcast that I try to emphasize is just, there are so many fields of the art in general of between, whether it's like theater, if it's movies, whatever it is, it takes a whole village. It's not just the person on the screen. So you don't just have to be the person on the screen and you can make it in this industry in so many other ways. So thank you for being one of those people who have changed the industry and created new fields of the industry and just are an inspiration to others trying to make it in this industry. My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. See you soon. Thank you, Eli. Take about Bill Berloni. Okay. This was one of the more interesting conversations that I've ever had with anybody. Um, I loved talking to him about, you know, animals and like show business isn't really talked about. And like, if it is, you kind of don't want to think about it because, you know, it may be done pretty hard, like harshly. And, um, you don't want to think about that sometimes, but Bill, Bill does it all right. And, uh, just to hear how he somehow fell into this brand new industry, uh, that he created for himself in the entertainment industry. Um, it's very interesting and I, and I loved hearing all about it and just hearing the fact that he has a farm and he is taking care of all these animals for any of you cat people. I'm really sorry because there was a lot of dog discussion, but at least we talked about cats. Well, we didn't really talk about cats, but like at least he has cats at his lovely, lovely farm, which by the way, John Bolton, our previous guest on the show, he, he mentioned the farm. He actually went to his farm and he like fell in love with his farm and all of the animals there. So he's literally doing all the things with all of the animals. He's worked on some of the coolest projects, literally. Uh, working with Beyonce, he's worked Girls 5 Eva, the, the new movie with Sarah Bareilles. Uh, he's doing Annie, that is how he got into it at a local show and then all of a sudden they asked him to go to Broadway. I don't know, it's incredible, literally. And now that's his field of work and he's this amazing dog trainer for the entertainment industry and for the arts uh and he's got he's got stories for days and we didn't even get to talk about the real real stories behind it all but we kind of talked about how it all works and uh what he's done and some of the books and everything that he's written so it's been it's it was really cool to talk to him it was really cool to hear uh some of the things that you you don't even think of especially like and you think of your favorite shows, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully Finding Neverland's in there, right? Um, but also, like, you, you know, you think of The Ferryman, you think of Bullets Over Broadway, you think of Annie, you think of A Christmas Story, you think of The Wiz, you think of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, um, you think of uh, all these shows, Gypsy, um, uh, you know, Oliver, Camelot, uh, all of these shows, he has, he has been affiliated with and had dog trained for um it's incredible and uh you think of those shows and hopefully those are some of your favorite shows and all of them have dogs in it and not one person like really thinks of 
oh, like, how does that dog, how does that dog pay attention on this stage? And how does that dog do all of these things? And uh, it's just really, really cool to, uh, to be able to talk about that and talk about what goes into it and shed a light on that because it's some long hours, especially like, even as an actor, I couldn't even imagine as the person who actually has to train the dog and the humans, uh, which he made clear on the the episode today. Um, but no, it's true. The it, There's so much work that goes into it. And actors are, especially in theater, I know he talked about that film is a different beast, but actors in theater and performers in theater, they really take the time to get to know the dog and work with him and make sure they have a strong connection to you in, in order to do the show eight times a week and in, in order to get it to the right place. Um, it's very important stuff. And if you're a dog person like me, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I certainly did. And all of the animals just that we talked about is really, really cool. Um, with, but with that, with that being said, let's turn it over to the Triple E segment because I'm going to talk about my experience with dogs. But I also want to talk about, shed a light on this quote that I had mentioned in the interview about how there's this, you know, myth in the industry that there's like, oh, don't work with kids or animals or or don't work with, um, it's hard to work with animals and kids or, or whatever. And a lot of the shows that I've been affiliated with, actually all the shows, because as I was a kid, um, all, all the shows that I had done were with both dogs and kids and they were some of the most enjoyable times of my life like they were definitely more enjoyable even pippin pippin had dogs in it bill didn't do pippin um but i mean literally all of these shows have animals in it and you don't even like realize it almost because you, you know you focus on the stars or whatever but with that being said there's this myth in the theater and it's like don't work with kids it's hard don't work with dogs it, they can be disruptive all these things and it's just it sucks like that that's like put out in the world at some point in time um and and it's not and it's not true like i've worked with all, a lot of my experiences, all of my professional shows, besides like Mary Poppins and Trevor, have been with animals. And um, there have been some of the best times in my life. And I've been fortunate to work with a lot of people. So like, if all of these people are in agreement, in agreement that it's not that it's not that bad, then I don't understand why it's put out there and why it's so why people say it. But I think working with animals and kids are some of the best times that you can ever have. It's the it's the point of live theater, really. And uh, it keeps things fresh. It'll keep you on your toes. You never know what you're going to get. Energy-wise, you never go, know what you're going to... You never know what comes out of their mouth, how they say a line, whatever. Like, it's totally different. And, like, what dogs do, like, where they're going to look and how you're going to keep them engaged and all of these things, it just makes your experience that much better you know people say they love doing live theater because it's live so like why not have that element that just keeps it even more like real and raw and uh emotional and lighthearted and all of these amazing things that it does having that aspect of kids and the young energy that they bring and dogs and what they bring as far as their cuteness and their their just sheer element of surprise so I just wanted to address that and uh, talk about that for a second. But then I want to talk about my experience in in working with animals. 
So, I, okay, it's literally my favorite thing. Okay, I'm a huge dog guy. I have a couple of my own. Um, and I've only worked with Bill when there's been dogs in my shows. I've never worked in a show where there hasn't been dogs, even though he trains so many other animals. Um, so my experience working with Bill is is incredible because he, I did the Finding Neverland on Broadway, of course, and I did it on tour for a little bit. And on tour, like... He spent so much time with me learning his ways of how it was happening, uh, how, you know, we were going to train the animals and how we were going to get them to focus and what kind of treats they like and when they should get it and what hand I should hold it in or what pocket I should keep it in. Like all of these things are so important. And sometimes, you know, you're human and you're worried about other things during a show and you have your own performance to work on. So sometimes like if you forget a treat, you kind of just have to like fake it. You have to like fake it for the dog and be like, no, I have a treat for you. It's like right here. And you have to like put your hand in front of the face and like and squeeze your fingers together as if you have a treat there. And like, it, it's like you, you find ways to like keep the dogs engaged or you give them a little pet and you're just like, hi, hi. And you may have to go a little off script from what Bill teaches you. Um, and, and in a way, he's another director for Diane, you know, like it's, it's, it's really interesting because he directs us everything that we have to do with the dogs and Diane kind of gives the ideas. And then, uh, and then he's like our director. So it's really, really cool to see how it all works, especially with dogs. And even with the Christmas story, I didn't get to, I don't deal with the bumpus hounds a lot, which is, which are the dogs in a Christmas story. But like when we did, like he would give us treats and he would train us when even when we like didn't even have to like interact with them on stage like everyone had to know how to deal with the dogs and especially like on a tour it makes sense like everyone has to really take the time because you know you're traveling with them you're gonna see them in the dressing rooms like you know you you have all of these places that you can't really escape them. So everyone has to know how to deal with them. Everyone has to know the rules of the dogs. If you can visit them during a show, if that's going to throw them off, if they need to rest during a show, do whatever they need to do. Um, It's all very interesting. And it's all aspects that you never realize unless you're even put in the situation. Um, But Bill does a fantastic job. He's literally the top uh, animal trainer in the industry. And like he said, he's created this own field of the industry that he never even thought was possible, never thought was imaginable. It wasn't there before he existed. So I'm going to reiterate the message that he was sending and making sure that you all just continue to be who you are. And if you love this industry, then figure out how to be in it and you can create your own field. This industry has been around for a long time, but there is always room for change and there's always room for new uh, fields of the industry and new jobs in the industry. Nothing is ever set in stone. And uh, if you if you like something, like you totally have something to bring, okay? And uh, don't think it's crazy because look at Bill. Look what he's done. He's literally done over probably like 500 productions uh, all together, including theater, films, TV shows, commercials, all of it. Um, it's just been, he's been incredible. He's awesome and he has incredible stories and i was so thankful to talk to him today on this episode of take a bow he truly deserves to take a bow and so do all the animals at his farm literally they're the cutest things so that about wraps this week's episode up 
I'm just going to quickly mention that next Friday, the In the Heights film is premiering. I couldn't be more excited. Literally, like, we were talking June 11th, like, it was years away. And now it's next Friday. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Next Friday. Um, and I cannot wait to see it. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be in theaters, but it's also going to be on HBO Max. Everyone, if you're interested, go watch Passover. It's incredible. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you have a Prime Video account. Um, so go check it out. It's free. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, yeah, I think you'll love it. And I'd love to hear what you all think about it. Um, and with that being said, thank you all for listening to episode 54 of Take a Bow. Once again, I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and I couldn't be more excited to bring this to you all every week. So uh, it's been fun. Everyone stay nice, stay kind, and figure out new fields of the industry that you can get into (laughs) and create some new jobs for everyone. And uh, with that being said, thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.